0: This podcast is brought to you by Tropos, weather and forecast for humans. No dew points or ads, just information you can act on. Try today on iOS. Hey. Good day. What's happening? Just shaved a yak to do the podcast. Ah, uh, Yeah. Yeah. Setting so up get, equipment. So I get here, mm-hmm. and I realize, oh, hey, I don't have a computer anymore. Uh-huh. Oh, let's back up. So... <laughs> I no longer work at Thoughtbot. Right, number one. Yeah, we should. We let's start the show on a high note. (laughs) It's it's not it's not necessarily a low note.
1: No, no, it's fine. Hey, everybody! This is Gordon in Boston,
0: and this is Mark in San Francisco, and this is Build Phase.
1: A lot, of chain, a lot of stuff's happened in the past two weeks. <laughs>
0: yeah. So we can we expect to continue to do the show. Yes. Still a few things to work out there. Yes. But...
1: So Mark is no longer with ThoughtBot. Uh, we were bummed to lose him. Um, but we are still going to keep doing the show as is bi weekly is the plan right now.
0: That means every other week and not two times a week.
1: Right. It would be very silly of us to increase our production schedule. <laughs> I mean, I think in general, especially given, like, our history, of our ability to produce these on a weekly basis, signing up for two a week seems, like, short-sighted to me. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, so we are we are planning on continuing doing the show. Actually, when I was at NS North, you know, I mentioned this to a couple of people, and there was concern about what was going to happen in the show. And internally, when you were leaving, there was concern about what was going to happen in the show. But we kind of decided it didn't make sense to not keep doing the show as is. So every other week from now on, we're going to see how that goes. We might bump it back up to weekly. If we can figure out a way to make that work. I think I don't, I'm not against doing that. It's just, I think biweekly makes the most sense right now while we're in this transitioning phase.
0: Mm Hmm. So I get here and I'm like, Oh wait, I don't have a computer. I did think to bring headphones. Nice planning ahead. Um, and then I come to discover that in the two weeks that I've been gone, (laughs) The Wi-Fi just somehow st- has stopped working in most parts of the office. Sure.
1: They just, like, put up tinfoil to block signal or something? Like, how does that even work?
0: <laughs> I, I don't know. Is there some meeting that they decided to turn the conference room into a Faraday cage? Sure. <laughs> Weird decision to make. Yeah, but that's
1: odd. I guess, you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do.
0: I had to shave an entire yak just to get to this point. Uh-huh. Trying to install Skype, don't have internet. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Go out, rummage through a drawer, finding a Thunderbolt to Ethernet adapter, yeah. stealing the Ethernet from the phone line, <laughs> and plugging in. Wait, you're wired now? You may have better connection now than we've ever had. Yeah, I actually don't know why I was was not doing this uh, previously. Like literally two years ago? Yes. This would have been a good
1: thing for us to do like, you know, 80 episodes ago.
0: Mm, I think. Probably. <laughs> cool. Okay, yeah, so I'm here.
1: Glad to hear it you ready to see uh, – I'm going to blow your mind right now. You ready?
0: Okay. Oh, wait. I think I see where this is going. A JSP file. JSP. Oh, right. The Wi-Fi doesn't work for my phone in here <laughs> yet. Do I have to tell you? Oh, hold on. Let me, I'll just copy the URL. This is so stupid. You know what's really stupid? This URL. Why is it MLB.MLB.com?
1: Oh, that drives me crazy every time. I type in MLB.TV. And then it redirects to MLB.mlb.com.
0: And then it's slash MLB. So (laughs) Is it really? And then the first path component is also MLB. Subscriptions. Download.gisp. Is this going to be like JSON data? No. That would be cool. Hold on. I'm updating Flash Player. Christ, are you serious? You don't need to update Flash Player. Don't do that. (laughs) Are you sure? Because what am I looking at here? Is it a blank screen? No but I don't see what's so mind-blowing. You don't see the MLB.TV Mac app? Oh, I just completely skimmed past that. I was like, yeah, 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 you can watch on the computer. Oh, whoa, wait. (laughs) Yeah, they have a beta MLB.TV Mac app. What?
1: Yeah, so are you not going to be able to see this then either? If I send you
0: this, hold on, let me make sure it's the right thing. If I send you this. I can just sign into messages and just. You should do that wipe this thing when i'm done
1: (laughs) this is so much work
0: (laughs) it's weird not having a laptop i bet but so they have this
1: mlb.tv mac app you can sign in you can watch videos on your computer you can actually resize the window which immediately makes it better than the crappy flash player on the website where you get this you know i think it's like a four inch by four inch kind of square to work with, and that's it. So you can resize the window, which is amazing. It also has a menu bar component that you select a game, and then it keeps the scores updated in your menu bar live. What? <laughs> yes. Oh, and It's so cool, except for, like, it doesn't support the dark theme menu bar, which is really annoying, and apparently it crashes all the time. But still, there's this beta Mac app for watching baseball games and
0: I was thrilled about that. And I thought you'd enjoy it as well. That's wild. Yeah. Wait, do I still need to sign into Messenger? Because I'm...
1: Uh, you don't have to. I was sending... I sent you a uh,
0: a screenshot of the menu bar app. Forget it. It's two-step verification. They want me to generate <laughs> an app-specific password. <laughs> I don't have one password on here. For, uh... Oh, man. Get this. This is so much work. Next time I'm doing this from home. Next... Bye. But... Well, within two weeks, I'm going to order some equipment and yeah. just start doing this from home, I think. Yeah, cool. Anyway. Anyway, that's awesome. Yeah, really pumped about that. Okay, so I haven't, I've basically not touched a computer in a couple of weeks, so I have yeah. nothing to talk about. Cool. Um, I've been trying to not touch the computer. Yeah,
1: no, that's smart. I, I would do that too. I actually, on Friday, I went out. With some friends here, uh, and so I was like very, very smart, and I left my bag with my computer at the office because we were going out to a bar. And I was like, "Well, I don't want to bring my computer and all that crap along with me." I was like, "I'll leave it at the office." Right? I'm like thinking ahead. I was feeling very proud of myself. It's like I'll leave it at the office. I'll go out. You know, if we leave the city or like leave downtown, the downtown area, or if I'm going home or something, I'll just go back and get my bag and then continue. It's like feeling really good about my forward thinking skills at this point. And so I left my bag, went out, had a bunch of beers, remembered my bag, right? We were going out to uh, another bar out in Porter square. So it's like, we had to get on the train and stuff. So I was like, I was like, okay, I'm going to go get my bag before we leave. So I was like a big group of people. They were like, fine, we'll wait for you. I run back to the office. I go up to the eighth floor I get out of the elevator and then I stand in front of this locked door and realize that my keys are in my bag, which is in the office. And so I'm like, well, shit. And then Monday, I was going to work from home on Monday, but Monday was Marathon Monday. So the the marathon in Boston was on Monday, which means Hmm. that everything is screwed, just like everything is a shit show on Marathon Monday. So I was like, fine. I I was planning on working from home, but I was like, fine, I'll come in on Monday because otherwise I have no way to do – I don't have a computer at home, right? Like this is my one machine. So then Sunday I was like, oh, you know, man, I feel like I'm getting hit hit with some allergies here, right? Like my throat started itching. My eyes started watering, being itchy. My nose started running, that kind of thing. Over the course of Sunday, it just turned into this horrific cold where I was just like coughing fits, sneezing fits, like on the couch, couldn't freaking move. So then I took Monday off, but then – and then still felt too shitty to come into the office on Tuesday, but I couldn't – I also couldn't work from home because I didn't have my laptop now, right? (laughs) So – Still felt too shitty on Wednesday to go into the office, but I had to come in to at least – so I came in for like 15 minutes. I did, I did like the full 30, 40-minute commute in just to pick up my laptop just so that I could go home again. Today's been the first day that I've been back in – the full day that I've been back in the office. Horrible cold. It's
0: really shitty. Sucked. And I can't imagine 90 yeah. minute 90-minute commute. And just to pick up your stuff.
1: And like I was, you know, my nose is running and I'm like coughing and sneezing and I'm obviously sick. And there's like a three seat radius around me on the bus because nobody wants to get near, you know, (laughs) near me.
0: It's like, I don't blame you.
1: Anyway, so,
0: so yeah, you've been staying away from the computer. Been trying. Hmm. Although when I've been on the computer, I've been working in Tropos and I've just added a swift like. Couple Swift classes for this thing that I'm working on, Mm -hmm. Um, but I haven't been making much progress each day. Sure, it's like an hour here, there. Sure, sure, sure. Man, I still get tripped up in Swift. Swift. I don't know what my problem is. Yeah, Yeah. I find myself paralyzed with indecision at times. Like, should this thing be a variable or a constant? Mm -hmm. Is it lazy? Is it a stored property? Is it a computed property? Mm -hmm. Is should this thing be a function? Should mm-hmm. this go in an extension? Does this extension go in its own file? Mm-hmm. Does it go here? Does it get marked private? Like, all those things keep tripping me up.
1: Yep. I think in general, I mean, there there are more decisions to make in Swift for sure than there are in anything else for the most part. Or at least, sorry, not in anything else. There's There are more decisions to make in Swift than there were in Objective-C for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, class versus struct versus enum. For example, constant versus variable, you kind of always had this, is it a property or is it a method thing? Right. And I actually think that line has been, I don't know, less blurred. That's not, there's got to be a thing for that. But like, you know what I mean? Like in objective C, calling a method and calling a function or calling a property looked exactly the same, except for the year, unless your color scheme handles it differently, which most right. of them did. So that was the only clue as to whether or not you were calling a property or calling a method. Now I think it's clearer that when you're doing one or the other, and so to some extent it becomes an aesthetic choice, you know, do I want to always do, you know, like the function call syntax or do I want to have it be, you know, no parens at the end? Cause you have to do parens, to call a function, otherwise it returns
0: that function. Right. That makes sense. You know? Yep. I'm also getting tripped up, I think, because it's mostly Objective C in here. Mm-hmm. And so all the things I'm touching now are being um, bridged into Swift. And so I'm, I'm hitting these weird cases. Like yesterday, I was asking you and Tony, you know, when you're using something that comes out of Objective C, say it's um, a setter,
1: mm-hmm.
0: when can you just do like dot notation? Ish in Swift and assign it versus doing like the set, you know, function Mm -hmm. name with the parens and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't clear on when you can and can't do that. Yeah. What was the answer that Tony gave you? He seemed to think that you need to annotate it in Objective C after sleeping on it. I think what it is is that those aren't defined as properties. In the Objective C class, so it actually makes sense that they would come over as functions. Yes. So they have to be invoked as such. Yes. But if they were properties, even though they, even though in Objective C it would just resolve to methods anyway, but dot syntax is a weird kind of hack that it's almost like a preprocessor thing. Yeah, I I almost would prefer that like Swift didn't try to get too helpful with that. But just it, I'm fine doing the functions everywhere. You know.
1: You mean that everything in Swift becomes
0: functions? I guess I understand what's happening is it's taking Objective-C properties and saying that they're now like Swift properties. Right. But because those can't actually be... In Swift, you can't use them interchangeably like you could get away with an Objective-C. Right. Or you could use the bracket syntax, you know, a synthesized getter and setter. You could use dot syntax on like an item potent, you know, method. Yeah. Yep. That's throwing me off. Yep.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still think that Objective-C interop... And that includes large parts of Cocoa. Most of Cocoa is the most is the most frustrating part of Swift. If you're in Swift, like working in Argo, for example, and Argo is kind of a weird. We're leaning so heavily on the compiler that it's a very, very odd. It's an odd project to work on because it's type safe in a way that nothing else that I've ever worked on outside of like Haskell is, you know. Uh, because of how heavily it's leaning on the compiler but like working in Argo which is a purely Swift library is very very nice and it's very clean and the decisions are clear and it's you know I mean so there, there I think that there are some defaults that you can take in Swift to make your life easier I think defaulting to immutability is the first thing so the question about Is this a constant or a variable? It's a constant, period. It's a constant unless you say, ah, shit, you know, I need to mutate this thing. Mm -hmm. And then your first question should be, why? (laughs) Right? Why do I have to mutate this thing? Is there a way I can avoid mutating this thing? And if there isn't, then, okay, fine. I'll make it a variable. Right? Lazy? I would forget that keyword exists, to be perfectly honest. I haven't used it. And I've only seen pain from people who have been using it in Swift. Rob Ricks, for example, was kind of lamenting the lazy keyword and Justin Spar Summers both on Twitter not long ago where, you know, that they had run into a bunch of bugs around the lazy keyword or something. I don't remember exactly what the context there was, but there are things that are lazy by default, but it's kind of best to not even think about that stuff. Computed properties versus stored properties, I think, boils down to do you want it to be generated every time or do you want it to be generated once?
0: You know? Yeah, I, I get those, how those yeah. works. I, I keep getting – No, no. Yeah, I, I, I knew that. Yeah. In, in fact, until yesterday, I had sort of always conflated those two and not realized that there's actually two different syntaxes there. Right. And, and basically putting an equal sign in there makes it a stored property where, where yep. then it's actually – you're assigning it to a closure – And then invoking it or rather you're assigning it to like a closure that's invoked immediately. There's
1: that. So there's three different kind of syntaxes here Mm -hmm. at play. There is the normal stored property, right? Where it's either it either doesn't have a default value or you're giving it a default value. And that's very clear, right? To be
0: clear, wait, you said stored property, right? Yes, stored. And are you saying that's different from just normal property? Same thing so it's literally you know type on the left equal sign something foo on the right
1: Foo parens in you some cases I mean? it's, is the value yeah we'll, we'll we'll just talk about like this case where you're giving something a default value because there's always like the let foo colon foo right create a property a constant property called foo lowercase foo of the type uppercase foo and then nothing after that and then there's the you know let foo equal, like lowercase foo equal capital foo parens, right? Create an instance of this foo type and assign it to this local constant. So there's that. Both of those are stored properties, right? There's the computed property syntax, which would be, you know, let or var, it has to be a variable at that point, but var foo Colon foo, right? So variable called foo of the type foo, and then no equal sign. Instead, you do a, a brace, and then inside there, by d- you get the getter by default, so you don't have to specify get. If you want to override the setter, uh, you would have to give it a set block as well. But then inside that, inside this closure-looking thing, you do whatever calculations you need to do and return a value, right? And then there's that third thing that you kind of touched on, which is a stored property that's default value is a immediately return closure or immediately executed closure, which looks like a combination of the two syntaxes where you are using equal. So it's, you know, let foo colon capital foo equal brace,
0: do some stuff, close brace, open close paren. But that actually won't work with a let, right? Even in Swift 1.2, I don't Uh, think that works. Hold on. I will check. I was having this discussion with Tony where I was trying to do exactly that. And I thought that in Swift 1.2, it would be fine because it's okay to now declare a constant and not assign it a value as long as there is a value by the time it's accessed, right? So following that thinking... And with my very limited knowledge, I assumed that I would be able to do lazy let something foo equals a value, like not even a closure. And I assumed that the compiler would somehow do some magic there and go, okay, I'm not actually going to create this thing until this, you know, until foo is accessed. Yep. Turns out that does not work. So The problem there is lazy though. The lazy keyword can't be used with let. That has nothing to do with this closure syntax. Uh, Right. In my mind, and again, limited knowledge, I assumed that the closure or I mean, what the compiler would do is see that, oh, it's lazy. Take the right side of that and sort of implicitly put it in a closure that just gets run later. Mm. I was hoping that when I first accessed it, then it would go, hey, is this pointing to some closure that hasn't been invoked yet? Cool. Run that. Assign it. Now you can never change this constant again. Right. That would be nice.
1: I think the lazy keyword in general is my my understanding and actually I know very little on this so if people know more about the lazy keyword and feel like writing in and explaining what works and doesn't work with it I'd really actually appreciate knowing um but my understanding is that the lazy keyword is fairly broken because yeah that would be nice you know but my point was more that there's there is this other syntax. So there's this other syntax of being able to assign a default value to a constant invoking a closure immediately. I'll make a gist with all of these
0: things and put it in the show notes. And that that pattern makes sense. You have processing to do. You have other things to do that you can't just do in like a, a single line, right?
1: Right. Yeah. And I've used that for like I need to create this like a button or something. You know what I mean? I've done it where it's like I don't really want to subclass this whole thing just to set a couple properties on it. Um instead I'll assign it to this I'll uh, you know, I'll I'll create this closure and do a couple lines of setup property, you know, property setting and then assign that back to this constant. And it's a nice pattern.
0: The part that's the part that's ambiguous to me is What's the scope of that closure? When is it invoked? Can I access my other members?
1: Immedi- uh, no. The scope is at the class level. So it has no access, ins- it, it doesn't know about self,
0: is what it boils down to.
1: It's invoked at instantiation time or at class creation time immediately. Class or instance? Uh, instance. Okay. So it's created for each instance right it's not a class level property is created for each instance but the closure itself is at the class level scope so it doesn't have access to the instance methods or instance variables at that point the object has not been instantiated at that point whereas if you use computed properties the object has been instantiated at that point so there is a co- so those closures are in the context of of the instance and have access
0: to self and access to the other properties Okay, so by that reasoning, if I had a um, a static function declared in my class, could I just assign one of my properties to the result of that static function? Uh, I don't know. Instead of just declaring it in line, say I wanted to use it somewhere else in code as well, that particular processing, but I didn't necessarily want it to be stored. Like I just want the behavior... But in the case of the property, I want this thing to be stored. Do you see what I'm... Yep.
1: So you're saying you have a static func that mm-hmm. say it returns a string. And then you have an instance property Pro- right. of the same type string. And you want to say that's equal to bar. Well, I'm naming it bar because I'm...
0: Sure. Well, the invocation of bar. Yep.
1: Mm-hmm. There's a compiler error in general. Let me see if this works. That does work. So... I have a struct foo, I have an instance constant bar of the type string, and I'm assigning it to the result of foo.bar, like, I have to call class level, I have to right. specify the type, like, it won't, it oh, can't, right. it won't infer that.
0: You know so what the mean? actual declaration of those properties is instance scope, forcing you to actually call to the class? No, because
1: you still can't, I think it's almost global scope, because I can't do an instance method either. Oh. You know what I mean? Like, if it was instance scoped, then it would work to do, oh, no. Okay, that doesn't work. Whew. That was going to be weird. Parameter one. Oh, wild. Why doesn't that work, then? So, that's weird. So, I have this bar instance constant. I have a baz static function and a cos instance function it does not see baz like without it's not at the the right scope to see baz but because like it literally says um use of unresolved identifier i think or whatever the if i can get this to recompile uh it doesn't see baz right this mm-hmm. class level func if i give it the type then it does and everything works fine and the error that it gives me is, yeah, use of unresolved identifier baz, right? So it doesn't even know that that symbol exists. If I use cuz, it gives me a different error. It also won't let me do it, but it says missing argument for parameter number one in call, which is a weird error. But what it actually means is this gets back to that whole currying problem, right? The whole fa- the fact that instance methods are curried class methods so it does see cuz in the context of this instance method that should be available but what it what it's doing is it's inferring the type and expects to be passed an instance as the first argument
0: but that doesn't exist yet
1: that doesn't exist yet so it's it's like in this weird middle ground or something
0: okay i'm glad we're talking through this because i i haven't really been able to Crystallize my confusion about it just until the past few days. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm still not super clear. Like within a class, outside of a function, where where are we in terms of scope? If if you make a, you know, if you declare a property and just assign it to self right there, what does self return or refer to? Uh, you can't do that. Okay, <laughs> it would be a recursive at that point, and that doesn't make sense. Sure, but I'm just. Like, if you were to ask the compiler right now at this line, you know, but property declaration aside, where in a class but not in a function. What is self? It's just freaking out
1: on me is what's happening. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think there is a self at that point. I, I think that it's in this middle ground. I think it gets down into how are objects created
0: in general, right? Like, what object creates the object's... <laughs> What so to see? what's the life cycle like like when are what are those things invoked relative to init on init
1: like so
0: during init i mean
1: if they're giving a default value, those happen before init so init is not like you got to get away from the what what init was an in objective c right because init was a very clear function or a very clear method in Objective-C that you implemented. And so nothing happened around initialization without you explicitly saying it, right? That's not necessarily the case in Swift. In Swift, init methods, they're more like hooks than functions. They're not functions. You can't pass init methods around like you can functions, Right, You can't curry init methods like you can functions. Init methods in Swift are not functions. Instead, what happens – again, this is all to my understanding of how this stuff works – is that when you initialize a class, it's going to go through and it's going to give everything the default properties, default values first. And then it's going to call your initializer, right? whichever one was called. And then it's up to you then to call super. But, like, there's hints about the way this works because you can't call super before you've given all of your – like, so I have a subclass, right? So in my initializer, I need to call super for my superclass's initializer. But I have a property that my superclass doesn't have. There is an order of operations that has to happen inside initializers, and it's kind of frustrating in Swift. You have to give for subclasses every subclass's member has to have a value before you can call super on it, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to call super before you can do anything with self. So, the way that the order of operations then is you create this thing through some initializer. If things have default values, those are pop- those are populated. Then it goes into the body of your initializer. At which point you have to set up any additional properties. Then you call super, and your superclass populates its properties. And then at that point, now you can modify. Now you have a fully realized object. After you've after you've gone through that that three step lifecycle cycle, you know you mean- uh, default values values without defaults, superclass values. Now inside the initializer, you have a fully realized object. You have a you have something that you can do stuff with. You can call self. You can treat it like normal. But you have to do those. The, the first thing happens for you implicitly, setting up the default values. The second two, you have to do manually. And you have to do in that order. Hmm. Does okay. that make
0: sense? Yeah, that makes sense. It seems backwards, initializing your own members before... Before, you know, your object kind of has any context about what it is because your superclass has not had a chance to set up all of this other stuff. But
1: Yeah, I'm like 90% sure that's true. Give me a, let me, let me. I,
0: I just happened to Google like lazy and swift while you were typing. Mm-hmm. And apparently that thing that you tried, the instance level declaration assigned to the static function works with the lazy keyword. If you put lazy in front of it, you can assign it to a class function huh. or the invocation of one. Wild. Which I guess makes sense at that point because you're deferring it. So those things are available. Mm-hmm. I guess that makes sense.
1: So, yeah, I was right about the order. If I have a this foo superclass that has a bar property and inside the initializer bar is set to something, then if I subclass it and I create a new property baz, I have to set Baz, and then I have to call Super.
0: Mm-hmm. So after calling Super, you're always guaranteed to have a fully realized object, yes. including your own members. So you yes. can start calling functions. The functions can refer to those properties and whatnot. Yes. Everything's cool. Right. And so
1: that that does mean you have some restrictions on it, right? Like it means that you can't access anything before you call Super. You have to, you can only set things before you call Super, and that actually causes some weird things where, like, some things that you'd like to probably be constants maybe can't be constants because you have to give them a default value and then call super and then set them to something based on the state of self. You know what I mean? There's, there's these weird temporal coupling things that you can get into around classes because of this order of operations that's enforced in Swift. And I get why it's enforced. And like to be perfectly honest, the thing it makes me want to do more than anything is just throw away classes and throw away uh, object inheritance, you know, a type inheritance instead of like just protocol inheritance, whatever, you know, just I'd rather just deal with structs and immutable objects and protocols than deal with,
0: you know, classes and inheritance and all that stuff. But, Mm -hmm. But that problem you just outlined would be fixed with a lazy let that works kind of how I expected it to work naively. Okay, so you're saying, so what this problem here that I'm talking about? The problem you were just talking about how you have to make some things a variable when maybe they should be a constant, but they sort of depend on the state of self. But you can't do a lazy let. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I understand. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. But because of how let works, it it feels like it feels like they changed how let works, but it didn't kind of make it all the way to like class and struct level.
1: Yeah. Well, we still don't properties. have class level. You can use. Struct
0: constants, but you can't do class constants still. Wait, really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wait, so you can't declare a property as let inside of a class?
1: No, no. You can. You can't do a class level constant.
0: Oh, sorry. I didn't mean class. I meant class as in reference type, not as in like blueprint for an instance. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Oh, You can do
1: that if you do. Sorry. I'm now I'm like. They did let, now you can do class level constants as long as they're static, not class. Because static means that they're also final,
0: so they can't be overridden.
1: I I thought the class
0: keyword was completely removed.
1: Mm -mm. No, class, the class keyword is still there. It just means that it's able to be overridden by subclasses and static. Now means the same thing except for it can't be overridden by subclasses, which actually So static
0: just like expands to final class?
1: Uh kind of, yeah. Semantically it actually makes a lot of sense and it fits in line with the way static is used everywhere else in the language, right? Like if it's a free function or if it's a not that, that wouldn't make any sense. But if it's in a struct, for example, and you're using static Well, and of course it's final. You know, there is no object inheritance for structs, so there's no possible way for it to be overridden. All structs are implicitly final, right? Just because that's, (laughs) you can't inherit from a struct, so there's no way to override something. And so static properties work the same way for structs and for enums, right? Both of those don't have the idea of inheritance built in, in the language, classes do have the idea of inheritance built in the language so there's this intermediary step where you can say like yeah i'm going to define this on the class but it might be overridden and then static essentially like you said static is almost identical for all intents and purposes identical again I, i don't know there might be implementation details that make this false but static for classes essentially boils down to final class
0: okay I didn't realize the class keyword was still around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, what else? Oh, there is, I'm sure this is just an interop thing. Um, I was also having a problem just declaring a, a protocol. So I'm in a um, view controller subclass, Swift. Mm-hmm. And I declare a protocol so that this thing can communicate back up to another view controller. And then I try to make the property weak. It doesn't work. Oh, in the protocol? Uh no, no no on the class like like mm. the delegate that, that will get assigned yeah. yeah yeah um the only way I could leave that as weak as like weak var you know delegate whatever was by putting the at objc mm-hmm. thing in front of the protocol mm-hmm. which didn't make sense to me but yeah. or like I got an error message that really told me basically nothing.
1: Yeah, there's some, there's still some things around protocols and the way protocols are implemented, specifically with Objective-C Interop, that I don't fully understand. Um, one of the things that I learned when I moved on to this project that I'm on right now, and I learned it specifically because I literally never tried this before, and this project is using this kind of thing. You can't use the as question mark, which I wish there was a good, like, there's no, like, bang you know, what I mean, you can say like as bang for as exclamation point, but there's no like, you know what I mean? There's no good way to say that well, they, question mark symbol other than
0: well the the term for a question mark exclamation point it isn't is an uh, interro bang
1: yeah. So interro <laughs> that sucks. Anyway, you can use as so you can use as question mark to conditionally cast something right. So like if I'm going from. Uh, to a subclass for example if i'm going from you do you have to do it all the freaking time in table view controllers and all the table view delegate stuff you have to say because that that thing returns in any object and so then you have to cast it to a ui table view cell the dq reusable cell for identifier returns in any object which drives me crazy to no freaking end has it not been audited no (laughs) it's so annoying Um, Like of all the APIs, you'd think they would have gotten to that one quicker. You know what I mean? That seems like a heavily used API. And anyway, so you can use this as question mark to conditionally cast it to a type, right? It's very handy. It returns an optional of the type that you're trying to get back. You can cast to a protocol, right? And you can force cast to a protocol. But if you want – actually, I don't know that either of those work without this hack that I'm about to say, but like, but I do know that if you want to conditionally cast an object to a protocol instead of an object to a concrete type. So I have like my protocol. If I want to do like foo as question mark, my protocol, my protocol has to be an objective C protocol, which seems bizarre to me. That seems like a really, really weird place for that to leak out, which is what I think is happening. I don't think that's an actual limitation. I think it's some compiler, implementation that's leaking out into our code. Cuz that doesn't make any sense. Like I don't know what like that seems like something that the compiler should be able to do. It doesn't seem like it should have to rely on objective C to do that, but it does. It's bizarre, right? You get what I'm saying though? Yeah. Yeah, like. Hmm. So you can do it with types, you know. Like I can do that with any type and that that conditional cast will work and it does not have to be an objective C type. It can be a native Swift type. But it has to be – you have to mark the protocol with Objective-C, that same at OBJC Objective-C. I hate saying that. I wish there was a better way to do that. But um,
0: is that for all types when you're trying to conditionally cast no, no, to a protocol or just reference types? Anything. If you're conditionally
1: casting to a protocol, it doesn't – well, I guess it would be object types. Because I've only ever se- – or at least that's all I know about. Because I've only ever seen it from any object or from – I think from any object to protocol. Hmm. It's weird. I, I don't I, – I, I prefer to just avoid that pattern in general. Like I have a sneaking suspicion that my client needs to be using – we came on this project and they would already started. But I've had this sneaking suspicion that this client project needs to use – they need to find generics. <laughs> um you know they need to use generics and they need to use way more generics um i think that would solve a ton of problems that they have and i think that they're by using generics they could get around this issue entirely because they could just use a type constraint on the generic and so that they'd know that whatever they're getting back it's at least of this protocol type hmm. so i haven't put like too much work into figuring out why this is the case but cuz i like i said i'd rather just avoid it Entirely, Um,
0: but it 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 did feel like a weird thing to run into. I wonder if that's fixed by making the protocol explicitly conform to the NSObject protocol, the one that gets bridged into Swift.
1: But then that also means that. Well, yeah, I, I bet it would because then that would mean I think you'd get the Objective C stuff by default, right? Because if it inherits from NSObject, NSObject is an Objective C protocol. And it also means that all your types are going to be NSObject subclasses unless you jump through all of the hoops required to conform to NSObject protocol, in which case you're wasting a lot of your time, frankly. Hmm. So I don't think that fixes the issue. I don't think that actually fixes the issue. I think it just hides the issue, right? Because now you're – actually, I think that's what they were doing. There was like – they were extending NSObject protocol, and I was like, um, can we like not do that? Because that seems like a hell of a lot of overhead for this thing that you know, we only need to care about these three
0: methods on or whatever. But I don't know. Wild. Yep, yep, yep. That it? Yeah, I think so. Wrap it up. Uh, show notes can be found at buildphase.fm slash 82. And we'd like to hear from you, so email us at buildphase at thoughtbot.com. Or reach out on Twitter at BuildFace. And we really appreciate ratings and reviews on iTunes. All right. So
1: uh, I'll talk to you later. Yep.
0: See you. Later.